everyone. Welcome back to JCM Prepare the Way. My name is Carol, and I just want to thank you for tuning back into our series on Revelation. Today is chapter 15, and it is the prelude to the seven bowl judgments or the seven bowls of wrath. And the scripture references I'm going to cover today are going to be, of course, chapter 15, but also 1 Thessalonians 4, 6, Exodus chapter 15, Matthew chapter 24, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. And then I'm going to touch upon a particular character in Acts, I believe it's chapter 11 and also 21. And of course, there may be some other references that I throw in there along the way. But let me begin by reading this chapter. It's relatively short, so, and then we'll get into the explanation. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened, and out of the temple came the seven angels having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chests girded with golden bands. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls, full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. So the whole theme of this chapter is actually about the justice and righteousness of God. And it's expressed in a great, in a song about his great and marvelous deeds, which vindicate his holiness because he is punishing the oppressors. You see, God Almighty, he may take his time to judge the guilty, but judgment is certain to come and now at last has come. Now, I mentioned in the prior episode that I'm going to address the timing of events that take place in Revelation, but I think I'm going to do that a little bit more towards the end instead of the beginning, because I'd like to explain this chapter first. Because in this chapter, the six angels from chapter 14 are now followed by seven more who are prepared to act. They have the assignment of pouring out the last judgments upon the earth before the end. And they carry seven bowls, not cups, but seven bowls of wrath to tip on the earth. You know, all through scripture, God references cups of wrath. Well, for the first time, it switches to bowls of wrath. God's anger, it's been simmering for thousands of years, for generations. But now his anger is going to boil over into his final wrath. But prior to those events, there's a pause. And we read here about a song of triumph that is coming from martyrs in heaven. 
where they are echoing the Song of Moses, a song that is actually found in Exodus chapter 15, where the delivered slaves from Egypt sing of God's mighty power. When he drew the Egyptian forces into the Red Sea and they were no more. And again, we are reminded in Revelation about the exodus out of Egypt. You see, God is all-powerful. And just as he destroyed the armies of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh was a type of Antichrist, he is about to launch his final blows against the real Antichrist and his armies before he ushers in a new beginning. And so this song of rejoicing takes place, the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. They're doing the same thing. Now, because there are martyrs in heaven, some believe that this confirms a mid-tribulation rapture scenario. That means the saints being taken away partway through the years of tribulation. Well, we can't be for certain. Scripture gives no definitive confirmation of that, so again, we're left with speculation. But what we do know for certain is what we've addressed already, and that comes from 1 Thessalonians 4, 6 and other passages, that when he comes, he is coming for his people at the sound of a trumpet, and we know that the dead will rise first, then those who remain will follow the dead. So that's what we have to look for. But always keep in mind when reading Revelation, friends, God is not in a rush. We may be, but he is not. He sits completely undisturbed upon his throne and has trusted the plan for the end of the age to his son, Jesus, the one who triumphed over sin and the grave, the one who made a spectacle of the enemy, right? The one who was obedient to death. And so we all wait. We all wait on him and his perfect timing for the end of the age. And so the scene in this chapter, it now switches to the temple where these seven angels are coming out having these seven plagues and they are clothed in pure, bright linen, their garments signifying purity and righteousness. And one of the four living creatures around the throne hands them the seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God. What a contrast to the bowls that are filled with the prayers of the saints, right? Well, the temple is filled with smoke. And if you've ever studied the smoke in the temple, it's called Shekinah glory. It's a type of glory that surrounds the presence of God. And we may not look at it this way, but that indicates that this is a very holy moment. The end is near and no one can enter the temple until those seven plagues are completed, until those seven bowls, not cups, but those bowls of wrath tip out upon the earth. The final seven judgments left of the series of 21. You know, it's a relatively short chapter, but remember the Bible wasn't written with chapter breaks. So people would have just kept reading straight through and so either way, though, it's, it's relatively a short section, and it seems to be a good place to take a couple of minutes to address the order of events that take place in Revelation. You know, an attempt has been made to fit the seals 
trumpets and bowls together into some kind of a consecutive schedule. But the fact is, that's extremely difficult to do, if not impossible, to fit all those predicted events into a coherent pattern. No one's been able to do it. But it is, is a consecutive schedule really our focus? Is that what Jesus was really wanting to get across in this letter? Because for years now, scholars have tried to do that to chapters 6 through 16. What order are these coming in? But honestly, the order is not the primary thrust in this section of Revelation, this section of seals and trumpets and bowls and the parts in between. Rather, we need to pay far more attention as to what will happen rather than when it will happen. That's the true focus. We are to watch for the signs. We are to watch for the events. We are to watch for the wars, the famines, the pestilences, the earthquakes, right? Even Jesus says that in his end times discourses. We are to look and keep an eye out for the natural disasters, the demonic armies, the two witnesses, the counterfeit rulers, marks, tribulation for God's people, right? That's what we are to be, where we are to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We are to be ever watching. This is why Jesus says in those discourses, watch therefore and do what? Pray. Watch and pray. No wonder he says that one verse in the Gospels, and I don't have it on the tip of my tongue, but it's the one where he says, when the Son of Man returns on the earth, will he really find faith on the earth? Will we be able to endure up under the pressures that are coming so that at his return, will he really find faith on the earth when he comes back? Will there be any believers left or will we have all given in? And so that's the most important thing is we want to know what we need to be preparing for. And that is what we have to keep our focus on. Because many of us try to read Revelation in order to know the timing of future events. And we miss the whole point of the book that is about preparing us for what is to come. Much like what Jesus was trying to help the seven churches with. When he was saying, you've got to get some things cleaned up. You're not ready yet. Well, that's very true for the church today. Friends, he's coming for a spotless bride. And we have a lot of work to work out as a body to be made ready for him. And so we are not to become soothsayers, those who forecast the future. But we are to be faithful servants of the Lord, ready to face the worst that can happen to us. Because looking at the current trends in society and the speed as to which they are happening today, there's an increasing possibility that these things can happen in our lifetime. And one of the church things that I believe the church needs to wake up to right now are the false gospels, the false teachers, and the false prophets that have come in. And there are many. Gallup Pew and Barna Research Organizations. I don't know if you know this, but they are now sounding the alarm in unison that the church, the body of Christ, the body of Messiah is in danger. We are in danger of being led away by false gospels, false teachers, false prophets. Trends are showing that a majority in the body of Christ are not even reading their Bibles, let alone believe in their Bibles anymore. And instead, they're embracing a mixture of socially acceptable worldviews calling it 
Christianity. And so as a result, they are being deceived by such messages and messengers. You know, Matthew 24, Jesus' end-time discourse speaks of the increase of false prophets in his end-times discourse. He speaks of it. He makes note of it in that section where he is talking about how the love of many will grow cold. The false prophets are going to increase. Well, we are witnessing that today. So be careful. Remember the words of the Apostle John in 1 John 2.18 when he said, Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. And we are definitely seeing a rise in all of this, which means we could be closer than we think. And what else does John say in that verse? I believe it's prior to that verse. Where are they coming from? Where are these false prophets coming from? He says they're coming from among us. They are going out from among us. That's the danger we face. Always remember, friends, true prophets, they spoke words that turned people back to the Lord. True prophets spoke words about repentance. They warned people. Even in the New Testament with the prophet Agabus, In Acts 11 and Acts 21, the first time he prophesies, he comes from Judea, he prophesied of a famine. The second time he comes in Acts 22, he prophesies to Paul that Paul, if he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to be bound up and he's going to be taken captive. Hard words, but truth nonetheless. True prophets spoke truth, even if it was hard. And true prophets today will more than likely not be well-liked unlike false prophets today that are popular on every circuit and accepted by everybody. Always remember, when a true prophet speaks, it's like a scream in the night. Sometimes their words can sound abrasive. Sometimes their words can sound like nails on a chalkboard because we don't want to hear the truth. Just as they weren't popular amongst the people in their day, they more than likely will not be popular amongst the people today. So be on guard. Again, be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove, because every day we go out as sheep among wolves. So in our next episode, we experience the seven bulls of wrath, those last of the seven judgments. And I look forward to another episode together. God bless you.